and welcome to the ADHD Friendly Podcast. I'm Patty Flinderman. I'm a professionally certified ADHD coach with over 10 years experience. My passion is finding ADHD friendly tips, tools, and resources that level and even tilt the playing field in favor of ADHD brain wiring. And I bring them here to share them with you in the hopes that they create more ease in your life. Today, I'm going to be sharing a celebration around National Puzzle Month. I didn't even know that was a thing. And then I have an ADHD friendly tip that's tied to how we can use groups to become the best version of ourselves. And then my main topic is planning for the year. So planning the entire year of 2023. Don't worry, don't get overwhelmed. I know it's a lot. I'm just going to share some external, visible, concrete tools that can support you to stretch your time horizon and see the year with a little bit more ease so that when you come to the end of it, you're more likely to have achieved the things you wanted to this year. And then at the very end, I will highlight what's coming up in the next episode of ADHD Friendly. All right, on to my celebration. It is National Puzzle Month. Woohoo! Happy Puzzle Month, everyone. I had no idea that that was a thing. So it's very sparkly. If you have checked out this podcast, Um, Before, you probably have heard me talk about my love of jigsaw puzzles. Thousand Piece Puzzle is my sweet spot. Love them. And I wanted to just go ahead and share a puzzle celebration since it is National Puzzle Month that I got myself a new Thousand Piece Puzzle to do over the Christmas holiday season. And I started it about a week before Christmas and I finished it before Christmas. It was one of the fastest puzzles I've ever done really helped that it was, you know, a Charlie Brown Christmas puzzle. Cause it's just, you know, one of my favorite things in our world is Charlie Brown and all the peanuts characters. And my additional win related to this is not just that I finished it, but that I was able to kind of take a break when I needed to and recharge my batteries just by sitting down and doing a little bit of the puzzle. My kids came in from time to time and, and helped me find pieces when they were interested. They're like, Oh, I think this is part of Charlie Brown's face, or, um, this is part of the tree. And so I'd never, you know, expect them to do the puzzle with me, but they would just wander in from time to time and visit for a few minutes while I was doing it. And the other win is that I discovered that I could listen to an audiobook and do the puzzle at the same time, which I didn't realize was something that would work for me. I love to listen to podcasts and listen to music. And when I walk, I can do those things, but I've noticed I can't listen to audiobooks when I walk very well, unless it's a book I've already read because I can't, my, my brain wanders. I can't seem to hold the thread. I get frustrated and have to go back because I missed a whole you know, plot piece. When I did the puzzle and listened to an audio book, that didn't happen. So that was really cool. I finished an entire book while I was uh, doing the puzzle. So I finished the puzzle and a book, two wins and all tied to my love of jigsaw puzzles. So Happy National Puzzle Month, everyone. All right, now to my ADHD-friendly tip. And this comes from a Time article called Sick of Failing at New Year's Resolutions, There is a Better Way. This came out just before the New Year's at the very end of December, 2022. And it was very timely, of course, but it really hit home on a couple of fronts. So the first is they shared that almost 80% of people who set New Year's resolutions have failed to keep them by February, 80%. And that only 8% stick to the New Year's resolutions that they set over the entire year. So 
that means 92% of people who make New Year's resolutions don't keep them. And this was for everybody. This was not ADHD specific. My hunch is if you add ADHD brain wiring into that mix, that 92% is even higher than it is in the general population. So we are really more impacted in our ability to hold on to our intentions and create prompts to remind us of them and then follow through with them in a way that works for us so that we're still doing it by the end of the year. And it's a reason why a lot of us don't set them. It can, it can be, I always say like goal is a four letter word for a lot of people with ADHD. So I wanted to just highlight um, this strategy that they shared because it, it makes sense. It resonates. And if you've ever belonged to a group and you had a positive experience, it might ring true for you too. So they talked about um, how white knuckling and willpower is not the way to achieve your goals. But what can help is thinking about how you can use those around you to support yourself. So they use the example of Odysseus when he approached the sirens, he didn't rely on his willpower to not succumb and, you know, give in to um, the, the sounds he was hearing. He plugged his ears and he asked his crew to tie him literally to the mast of the ship. So he could not jump into the water when he heard the sirens. And today researchers are calling that in this article they shared, they call it situation change. And it means we're basically taking matters into our own hands. So like Odysseus, where he, you know, plugged his ears and had his crewmates tie him to the mast. It might be in my example, I always share removing the Oreos, so like not even letting them come into the house. So I'm not trying to use all of my willpower to not eat them. It could also be if you're trying to get off tech more and maybe less doom scrolling, you're just deleting social media apps on your phone instead of trying not to go on them. So we're paying mindful attention to our social circumstances. We can use those to help us as well. So the people in your life, but also the groups that you belong to can really have an impact on your intentions, what you're trying to create more of in your life or habits you're trying to form. So for example, if you want to read more, it could help to go ahead and join a book club. That way you have a book that's selected for you or you're part of selecting the book. And you have a timeline for when to read that book by, and then you know other people in the group are coming together to discuss the book. So it holds that social accountability more strongly to pull you in. The part here that um, I would want to highlight whenever we're talking about using groups to support ourselves is what accountability works for you, what level of it works for you. And um, if I use the book club example, so I, I joined one last month to support my social goal to be going out and socializing more. And I love books. I read enough on my own, but I wanted that social piece. So I thought, well, I'll do something I already really love, but tie it to a, a social group. And so they picked a book for me to read this month that is not a book I would have ever picked up on my own. And that didn't, that wasn't a rule break. That didn't, that wasn't a deal breaker for me. That was still okay. Um, but I would, what I noticed was if I had just picked this book up and I was reading it just for myself, I would have put it down and there's no way I would have still been reading it because I'm part of a group and I'm going to be coming back together with this group to discuss the book. I feel like I need to give it everything I can to either get through it or to really give it a, a good solid try. Usually for me, that's, that's 50 pages is kind of my, if I'm not enjoying it by the 50 pages in, I give myself permission to stop. Um, and so I noticed that this book club, the reason I decided to come back and try this book, even though the book itself 
didn't really have a lot of interest for me. It's on fish owls, which is very interesting actually, now that I'm reading it, but it isn't something I thought I would be interested in. Um, but they didn't tell me I had to read it to come back to the meeting. I've been a part of a book club before that the expectation was that everybody will read the book in its entirety before coming back or just don't come to the meeting. And that's too uh, confining for me. It feels too restrictive. Um, it just doesn't work. I also don't do well in book clubs where there's no expectation to read the book or it's, you know, you can read it or not. Because what I found was if I read it and I want to talk about it, the majority of the meeting is just chit chat, which... I love chit chat if that's the purpose, but if I read the book and I was really looking forward to talking about it and then there's no structure to the meeting and we're not really talking about the book, it gets in the way of me sticking with the club, with the group, because I, we're not going to read it anyway. So if I wasn't a book I was really planning on reading, I don't really feel the need to read it because there's no expectation that I'm going to read it. So that's what I call my Goldilocks level of support for me within a group is noticing how much do I need, but how much feels too much and too restrictive. So I invite you to think about that for yourself. If, if being part of a group could help you, what is it you want more of and what group could you, is there that you could join or even start on your own if there isn't one that already exists and what structure, what, what accountability would work so that it's going to help pull you in and help you reach those milestones that you're setting for yourself. All right. So now into this podcast topic. And that is, I'm calling it planning your year. So planning 2023, an entire year. What? Like, that's like, like, so when you think about our ADHD brain wiring is now and not now, I got now like, like today, the entire year can feel like it's just way too much. It's too much to think about, too much to look at, too much to process. And I totally understand and, and get that. So what I'm going to just ask you to do, if, if you're exploring this for yourself, what would feel like an amount of time that you could see and you could tolerate? I know when, when I first started planning a family vacation for our family and I asked my husband in January, what would work for him? He was like, Patty, I can't think about like when we can take a vacation that isn't even coming up in the next month or two. Like that was just something it didn't interest him. He didn't want to do. And I was like, okay. So I'm just going to block time in June. And so I did, I wrote it on my annual calendar in my office. And I remember I just blocked, I wrote vacation across the week. And some point in the next few days, my daughter came in and she saw that I had vacation blocked in June. She's like, oh my gosh, where are we going? And I had no idea what she was talking about. And then when she pointed to the calendar, I was like, oh no, no, I'm just taking a vacation. We're not going anywhere on vacation. That's a whole other level of executive functioning that I was not asking myself to achieve. I was just trying to make sure I took some time and didn't work for a few days during the year. Otherwise I just kept working and I just knew this was right when I started my business, it wasn't going to be sustainable. So it could be just to help you see a vacation, to take a time off from work and having it displayed in an external concrete visible tool. So you can see it coming up and hopefully look forward to it. And it helps you to hold that more easily. So if somebody's like, Hey, can, can you do this project? Or do you think you'll be free to come to this family gathering on this date? You can look at the calendar and easily say, Oh no, I can't. I already have this blocked. What are you doing? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to be on vacation. I'm, I'm planning it. That's the week we've already planned for our family or whatever it is. So I'm going to share some external visible concrete tools to make it easier to plan longer, maybe even the entire year. 
or just to start thinking about it if it feels like it's too much. So the first is I'm going to share is in most planners, you'll see they'll have, and this is an old planner, but I just wanted to show like sometimes they'll have the entire year just mapped out often. This does not work for me at all, except to see what day of the week is a certain day on. I, this is this overwhelms me. So again, I always want you to just notice what works or doesn't work for you because we are very individual in the way that our brains process the information that we are trying to use to support us. Um, a dry erase calendar is one of my absolute favorite go-to annual planning tools. So I'm gonna share this one from 2021. Sorry if you can hear all the noise. It's a biggie. It's um, three feet by four feet. It goes in two directions, so you can hang it either um, horizontally or vertically. This is from Swift Glimpse Calendar. So I'm gonna show the one I actually wrote on. I use it depending on where I'm gonna put it. Um, different, I've, I've used it in different directions, different years, but um, in 2021, I used it horizontally and I was tracking my habit this year and I thought, oh, that might be, it was very sparkly when I was preparing for this podcast. I thought that might be an interesting tool to go back to because I used the desk blotter, the month desk blotter on my desk that I crossed it off every day. And I like the idea of just seeing it in a much smaller, um, all in one place annual calendar. So I might, I might just try that a little bit this year to see if I want to go back to that. Um, but again, just blocking off big things. Maybe it's birthdays, maybe it's um, vacation. If there's a holiday weekend coming up, so you can easily see it and plan for it with more ease. It could be that you're thinking about more um, long-term things. Like in 2020, we planned a trip to Walt Disney World. And if you haven't gone to Disney World um, before, or if you haven't gone in the last at least you know 10 years, and oh my gosh, it's gotten much, much more difficult in the last five years to plan a trip really does require you to see a minimum of six months out, really a year out to do it well, because they'll, they'll have different um, timelines where reservations will open and you have to sign up the day that the reservations open or there'll be nothing available. So at 180 days out, you need to do this. You know, there's all these different timeframes. So I remember I used my annual calendar just to see everything coming up and make sure it wouldn't fall off my radar. Um, but there's another form of a dry erase calendar that I use in my business. And this is a, a vision and goals dry erase calendar. It's much bigger than the three by four that I hung up. I think this one's five by eight. Um, but I like that it has more space for me to write things down on the calendar. Um, but again, this is more for like big vision, big goals um, for me to really almost experience more concretely. The larger the calendar is, the more I notice it. It just helps me to be able to use it more. And um, I love that one. And this one, I can erase each year and reuse it. So I don't have to buy a new one each year. The Swift calendar I shared um, is specific to that year. So each year I do need to purchase a new one, but I love a dry erase calendar because I can go in and I can write things down. If the dates change, I can remove it and then move it to when it's been rescheduled to with ease because it's dry erase. Um, Annual calendars are used like my project calendar in businesses. Um, they, they're, and there's always an annual plan and then we'll break it into like quarters and even months. But it's, it's not exclusive to that. It could be, um, I know I started my annual planning when I was in college and I needed to really see what was coming up throughout the year. Like I'm taking this in the fall and I'll take this in the spring semester. And I would kind of like map it out where I could see when the semester started and ended and when my breaks were. Um, I also have done it to just help me see just big things coming up 
over the course of of a time period, it might not be a full year. So it might be like a semester. So I want to share that tool. And I use this in my coaching with my clients often to help, you know, see different tools that can stretch time horizons. But I always use this when I'm working with students. And this is just a, a custom tool I make for myself that breaks the, some, the, the year into five months, pretty much the semester. So it, this is for the spring of 2023. So it starts in January, ends in May. And so for like this example, for a student, it has the first day of class, it has the last day of class, it has the final exam dates on there. It has the, the dates that there are holidays and there's no class. And it also has the last drop ad date because that often, if I can tell from a student I'm working with that there's a class that isn't resonating or they're, they're struggling to show up, we need to know when can they, when, when's the last date that they could drop or add that. And then what's the last day they can withdraw from the class. I typically write those on there as well as spring break. So we can see when it's coming up and plan for it and look forward to it. I have students that will use a semester calendar um, and just write down like big project due dates. Again, not every single day, you're not writing down, you know, the little details daily. It's, it's a more like a project exams, um, large tests, things are going to go on there. So you can see them with more ease. So you're not you know, with our brain again being now and not now, it's like, well, that's not due until next month. Well, if you're looking at your calendar and you can see February when you're glancing, because it's all up there, you can see, okay, that's actually in three weeks. So I need to get started on that. All right. So that's a semester calendar. Again, to stretch your time horizon and to see important dates over the course of just a, a you know, a little bit more than a third of the year. And then my other favorite tool when I think about planning for the year is a month, a 12 month planning sheet. So I'm going to show you a blank version that I make for myself. This is actually a PDF that's included in this episode. So if you want to check it out and try it for yourself, it's included in the show notes for this episode. And this can be really helpful just to think about if you have like a monthly goal, or if you have an intention that you want to kind of track throughout the year, it could be if you're um, trying to exercise more, um, for example, here in um, the Chicago area, I might be looking at what could I do in January, February, March, when it's too cold to go outside. <laughs> Excuse me. It might even be too cold for me to get in the car and, you know, I don't belong to a gym, but if I did, I wouldn't want to even get in the car because my car is freezing and it might've snowed overnight or something. So I might identify, I would do this in January. I might do the treadmill. I might do yoga or stretching and then kind of open it up to what would be available to me to change things up each month as the weather changes. It could also be a way to focus on your health. So maybe in January, you're scheduling appointments for all of the things health-related that you want to check off this year. Or it could be in January, you're focusing on um, your healthy habit. And then you know the, the rest of the year, it might be February, I'm going to have my annual physical. And March, I'm going to have my dental checkup. And then I'm going to go six months later Again, I'll go in August for my second um, cleaning, dental cleaning. Maybe I'm going to uh, make an appointment for an annual dermatology uh, skin check. You know, just thinking about what do you want in the year and then plan it over the course of the year so you can see it. But it also feels manageable because you're not asking yourself to do everything. You're asking yourself just to think about how would I spread this out over the course of the year to support myself? If you want to, um, like for me, I have like social goals. I use this to help me see there's certain things going on that I already can fill in like, oh, I know I'll be able to do these things this month because I'm already going to be here and I can meet my two social outings goal this month because I already have something that I'll be going to. But it, it then highlights the months I don't have something that I need to look for. What am I going to do? 
So it just makes it easier instead of trying to hold it all in my brain and use my working memory, which remember, not a good plan if you have ADHD and it's impacting your working memory as mine does. And then I plan my, I have a club palm group, which is people that have participated with me to learn how to start their personal owner's manual, have the option of joining my monthly in-person um, live, virtual, I should say, not in-person, but live group where I do a different topic each month. And when I'm planning out the year, I use little um, post-its and I write the topic and it lets me move them around and notice how I feel about the flow of the topics. Let's me see if I had a blank one that I still need to figure out a topic here. Um, if I change them, it's if it's written on a piece of paper and I erase it, I literally forget what I erased, which is why I went to um, using post-it notes because again, it's external, it's visual, it's concrete. It helps me to manipulate the information with ease without worrying about my working memory having to try to hold on to it while I'm moving things around, which has created more frustration for me multiple times that I learned, just go ahead and write them on little post-its. So I use that in this context all the time. And this is just another example for a monthly theme. So I could see all the, the different topics and work with them throughout the year. So again, just a 12 month planning calendar to help stretch the amount of time that you're seeing instead of just what's right in front of you today, this week, this month, stretching a little bit further with the help of an external concrete visual tool. All right, so that's it for this episode. Again, at the top of the episode, I shared my celebration around its National Puzzle Month, and I shared my win with my Peanuts Puzzle um, and listening to an audiobook at the same time and getting both things completed. Then I shared an ADHD-friendly tip about how we can explore using groups to support becoming the best version of ourselves. So looking at how we can lean into groups and those around us to create more of that accountability that works for us. So again, paying attention to how much do you need? How much is too much? What's that just right Goldilocks amount? And leaning into that so that you're getting what you need in the way you need it. And then the topic for today was planning 2023. So I just talked about some external concrete tools. If you'd like to explore supporting yourself to see further into the future and hold on to your intentions for this year, an external concrete tool can really help you to do that and keep it in sight, in mind. So at the end of the year, you have more celebrations because you worked with your brain wiring. And then next time, I just wanna share in our next episode, I'm gonna be talking about, I'm going from macro with annual planning to micro to daily planning. I'm gonna be sharing some daily planning tips and planners and how to use them to support yourself when you think about just planning out your day each day. That's it for this episode. If you haven't started your personal owner's manual yet, I invite you to check out my website, ADHD Friendly, where I have tons of resources and tools on there to get you started with your personal owner's manual. If you haven't started one yet, make 2023 the year of your POM, your personal owner's manual. Until next time, Sally Ho. 